Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. We're coming out of deviation police retirement. I was about ready to take my pension for 25 years long service, uh, but it's <laughs> potentially back today. I've even got the hat ready for it. We had the first, quote, what was supposed to be a sprint stage from monistrol sur loire to Le Coteau. It did have some medium mountains in the first half of the stage, but then a long 50k flat section before a big green climb. Cote de Panay, 7 case 3%, last case 5%, plateau. Then a very, very technical descent. Well, actually, no, not technical. Like, it's an easy descent if you're on your own, very wide, very fast. But there were so many road dividers and road furniture, and the, the teams got very, very nervous today. And there were a lot of crashes, unfortunately, in this flat running. It's for Gronewegen and Bennett's their only opportunity to win a stage at this year's Criterium de Dauphiné. But... I there's no coverage of the Dauphiné early Benji, which uh yeah, it's fine. Uh because <laughs> did anything was there ever a breakaway in this stage? Come on, you missed a legendary breakaway today? I can't believe you missed him. Because AliExpress Al Philippe, Mathieu Burgodeau was in the breakaway for half the stage. And we didn't see a single second of that. Because the second that the broadcast was about to start, I came back from my ride where I got brutally assaulted by a pigeon, by the way. That's a story for another time. I came back from my ride. I put on the, the interwebs. I look at what's happening in the race and I see no break. And I'm like, hmm, this is odd. We're halfway to race. But anyway, Burgodol was in the break earlier. He got caught. And that's kind of the story. He also gets competitivity because he was the only rider willing to go in a breakaway today. So this is the, the best awarded competitivity ever. But there being no breakaway is actually interesting because stage one was won by Laporte. Stage two was won by Alaphilippe. Both are equal in GC, and we're going towards an intermediate sprint now where Alaphilippe can take the yellow jersey, which at least that was something that happened during the stage if, somewhere just after halfway to res. If Laporte takes no burnies at the finish. Agreed. Very good point. So, yeah. Which is possible. I mean, I mean, Bennett and Groenewegen are going to make the finish. He only doesn't need to come third, and he, he didn't yeah. take any burnies yesterday, so that, that's possible. But, but going back to the breakaway, why was there no break? Like, I tune in, I see... 37k an hour average and by the way this is why teams like Corotech and Bardiani the exposure breakaways suicide breakaways they make the stage finish on damn time because <laughs> someone has to chase somebody when there's no break like in UAE tour sometimes or like today the Peloton just crawls like they have no reason to really pace unless there's road furniture or something and so they're going 37k an hour average and I, I was surprised because I do really think a lot of teams, they get to the end of the season, oh, we didn't win very many races. Oh, we didn't, we didn't top three too many World Tour races. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. how many teams are here? 20? 15 of them decided today, we're not going to try win this stage. We're not going to do yeah. what actually provides the highest probability of us winning this stage. Like, Hofstede is a fine rider. Is he going to win this sprint? No based on his current level, maybe in 2021, 2022, maybe, but not at the moment. Uh, who else? Movistar. Like, 
Could you not spare Nelson Oliveira to actually go on a breakaway he might win for once? You know, they got no sprinter here. Or you know X, Benji. I'm looking at your, you know, one of your favorite teams. Really? Frederick Vernes, he's above now going in one of these breakaways? Like, I don't know. We didn't see break formation. Maybe they tried. I'm just... If you're not Laporte, Groenewegen or Bennett, or maybe you want to try a sprint with Govacar, Bahrain, then you're not going to win. So, I don't know. I think... It's not like there's eight teams with eight riders. You've got Durbridge, Pollitt, and Craddock, and Patrick Gamper. Four guys to chase all day from the two sprint teams. Yeah, correct. I agree with that. And maybe there's like three other teams or four other teams that should have 100% been in the breakaway. Maybe a, a quick step for a Vernon, I would still understand if they go for a, a flat sprint. There's a few yeah. out there, but quite a few teams would indeed be expected to go in breakaways here. But hey, that didn't happen. We get to that intermediate sprint. An intermediate sprint happens, and basically Laporte wins against Alaphilippe in the sprint. So whatever setup I made, setting the scene that this was a legendary intermediate sprint <laughs> that was coming up, it led to nothing. Good Bagioli <laughs> lead out. Yeah, that's true, but it doesn't matter if Alaphilippe is a worse sprinter than Laporte, <laughs> and there's not 100 sprinters blocking the road for Laporte, then you're likely going to get beaten by, mm. by Laporte here. And yeah, there have been days in the past where Alaphilippe had a great sprint. Remember that Milano San Remo, he won. Remember that, that one... San Juan stage, I think, that he won in like a, a group sprint, which was a pretty crazy sprint. But hey, the memories of a faraway Alaphilippe, we saw a, a glimpse of it yesterday. Maybe we'll see it again in the future. But for now we were heading towards a sprint. And unfortunately, the tempo after the break was caught, the one-man break was caught, the one-man army of Burgodó, there was no tempo. It was like yeah. sunny weather, calm ride. I would, I'll go far-fetched here, and I would say that at least for... 10% of my ride this morning, I rode at a faster pace than the Peloton at a certain <laughs> point in this race. <laughs> so I'm proud to announce that I'm going to be joining the pro Peloton next year. No. Nah, um, well, they got, go they, got, they got sleepy and there's, there's crashes started happening. It's like with all the pressure off, suddenly there were crashes and not at the front, not people fighting for position. It was sort of at the back. And there was one with first one that I really recall was with Andre Zeitz. He DNF'd for Astana, went down hard. And it was like mid-pack on the right. And yeah, they're going quote-unquote slow, but they're still going yep. 45Ks an hour. So, And guys at the back, if you're not paying attention, you're chatting to a mate, you're whatever, because everyone's you know taking it easy, you still got to jam the brakes on quickly or you go over the front. Van Sevenon crashed hard. Uh, Jorgensen crashed. No Movistar came back to help him because uh, Mars is the leader. Question that. Um, but yeah, big crash initially, and that was the first of many because yeah, the climb Benji was fine. Nothing yeah. happened. There was no Finesse Bergado attack or like in Paranese last year. The climb, Yumbo, Pollitt, EF locked it up. Lotto Destiny were riding mm -hmm. at the front a lot today, Benji. Is that for Menton GC? Menton <laughs> GC? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm Maxim Van Hills. Maxim Van Hills. Sorry. Sorry. Or was it for Menton? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Menton Sprint? Possibly. That's okay. a possibility. Menton has shown something in smaller races at the start of this year. I just watched this Lotto documentary that went in-depth in, in some of their riders and was nice actually seeing Menton's face really because I had no clue what it looked like before that. But he's actually shown some stuff. Lissaman, for example, was a race that he uh, won, if I recall correctly. So he's got a sprint. So probably they were doing that for the sprint, I think. Okay. But it was a bit much, maybe, I think. But the thing is... Maybe it held because there were so many crashes that it kept so them into a position where they might have not been hit that much. And we're getting into the final 10 kilometers. Jorgensen has come back from his crash. 
Alaphilippe was also in the ditch at that point, and this is the rider has an issue very soon, but after his crash, which was in the Jorgensen's crash, he no, changed one second of his Jorgensen wheels. Crash. So, so many crashes, repeat. So, the, the, this is the classic dangerous scenario. We have every director saying to a fresh peloton that's been cruising at yeah. 35 kilometers an hour, get to the front, get to the front, get to the front, get to the front, because there's a downhill coming with road furniture. And it's a fast road. So they're going 80, 75. There's just, and there's these, just these road dividers that just come up boom, through the middle. And there's loads of them. Do you like that sound effect? And that just increases the pace. And Ineos is sprinting with Turner. Yumbo is sprinting with Van Bala. Bora is sprinting with Pollitt. EF is sprinting with Amador. And yeah, there's more crashes. Jorg is involved in another one. I, there was one that Amoto was somehow involved. Alaphilippe nearly crashed in it. He like did a stoppy um, to not crash. And then Van Sevenot crashed again or crashed. And Jorg was involved, at least caught up. And it's just a lot of narrow, narrow quickly. It's sketchy. And yeah, go, then Alaphilippe, Benji, he gets one win and he's back to like full twitchy Alaphilippe. You know, you know <laughs> when you see Jala chilling around the back of the commissaire's vehicle for like a half hour period, du ducking in out of cars, you're like, something bad is going to happen. <laughs> and, but he just had a, a, a flat, right? Was that the only issue he had? He, he did a wheel change after like looking at his bike and trying to figure out if something was wrong for like a long period of time after the crash he was involved in, after he ended up in that ditch. And then he kind of stayed towards the back for a bit longer, but then he moved up and then eventually when the last 10 kilometers happened into the final seven kilometers. Seems like he had a mechanical on the left side of the road because he unclipped and then he was behind the peloton. And that's when we see the kind of meme moment where Van Sevenand is waiting from the peloton <laughs> for Alaphilippe who had just switched bikes. But Alaphilippe is going so fast behind the Arkea car with the quick step car behind Alaphilippe that Van Sevenand is getting passed by Basically everybody, Van Sevenand tries to speed up and moves to the right. The quick step car nearly kills Mauri Van Sevenand in the process, but they get onwards. And I would expect that Alaphilippe probably came back knowing he was in the convoy at that yeah. point. I'm not 100% certain, but um, we're going to the sprint. Final straight is incoming. Bernal's doing some pacing at a certain point. Was I wrong really? in seeing that? I Could swear with Martinez. 11k to go. Or Maybe the commentators on sports, I got it wrong. Was Castro? I mean, as I said, Castro and Martinez need to sort out the facial hair, but I, I don't remember seeing Bernal. I must say, I was kind My of bad. half, half. No, he might have been right. I had half an eye on it at that point. But yeah, the running was still sketchy. Everyone's fresh, and there were so many crashes, and we haven't seen. We saw no replays of them so far, and we haven't really heard because uh, we're recording straight afterwards the communication about that. But Jumbo Visma did take the front. There's a big left hander, and just as well they did for Vingegaard initially because. He's moving up. They passed three Ks. Van Hoydonk's done a good job. He's kind of worked down there. Volta had done a good job keeping them forward too. And they're trying to go for Laporte and Vingegaard. Difficult to manage both. Laporte, yeah. Laporte, I think, is probably one of the most efficient riders in the bunch in terms mm -hmm. of what's expended for position. Like he's with no help. That's why he's such a brilliant leader, man. With no help, he can maintain a position in the top five guys, and wait. people try, are always trying to wave over, and he somehow still stays, stays top five. Anyway, crashes yeah. happen. There's the last one that I saw on camera because Vingegaard was at the front. He missed the first one. He is just behind one of the last crashes and just breaks behind it, and that's the dangers of you know 
the three kilometer rule doesn't help you if you break your collarbone <laughs> crashing, even if he's in the in the final. And you know, people yeah. lost 15 seconds the other day. So dangerous times. We don't know what GC contenders lost time. Hopefully, they just put everyone all in the same time. Um, anyway, we get to the sprint, Benji and Bora. They just do, and I want to talk about this strategy as well because it looks great. But Bora, we know what they're going to do. There's no other sprint trains here. Jayco were a mess. Groenewegen was in okay position. Craddock and I think two other guys were out, So, but he was in okay position. Mullen hits it with like, I don't know, 1,200 left. So mm-hmm. hard, it almost splits the group. And I thought Laporte was actually going to get gapped because he was on the in the front and the up, they came so fast. Do you think it's almost too much, the surge from Mullen? Like... It's, do you think it's deadening the legs of Bennett a bit? Could he have, it might does he need to be. go that hard? In hindsight, we might say it might be one of the reasons for Bennett not having the perfect sprint afterwards. But I would also say that it also gives an advantage that is significant over the others. So it's kind of, they need to find the perfect balance in the momentum of flying past the others to the front and being able to do so in a in a healthy balance when it comes to the energy that is left after that scourge forward. And we see Von Poppel being in the wheel, we see Bennett in third wheel, and this is kind of an interesting thing for me when it comes to this sprint. They're basically leading out about 25% from the left side of the road at this point, and they're keeping this up like that. I think Govacar was in the wheel of Bennett and then Grudemagen yeah. or something, you can correct the order if no, I'm wrong. Right. But they keep that order for quite a bit until Van Poppel takes over. And Van Poppel stays with the gap on his left open on the left side of the road. And Bennett launches on the right side of the road. And I was like, is that because of the wind that Bennett's decide to launch to the right instead of to the left where the gap is? You would say the perfect lead out is the gap on the left of Van Poppel is the one you go through so that Groenewegen and Govacar need to go around Van Poppel. Yeah, yeah. But Bennett takes it to the right. And it that that's in, I don't I haven't checked the wind direction of the sprint, but if the wind direction meant it was preferable for that for Bennett to jump on the right, then that means Van Poppel made a mistake and he should have done his lead out to the right hand side because yeah. he had his choice of the road. I dare say he did the right thing. Maybe maybe well I don't think it was a cro- a strong crosswind. I'm not sure, but you're right. It's like he's done the perfect thing and he's made the mistake once before when they first got together and he's not made it again and he's. You leave that left door open, and then he almost. And I know this is not clean, but this is what Mercury. This is what they do. You close the door a little bit to Bennett's back wheel as he passes you to the barrier, and you you make the sprinter behind guess. You know, and they just go around you, and they have to go the further, and it cuts off the draft to Bennett's back wheel. And you're right, and Bennett already checked before he jumps, and no one was jumping yet. He checks over his shoulder, sees Govacar is is on his wheel. Sees other sprinters are there, waits, and then he launches. And so his sprint is in two parts. He launches around Van Poppel, and there's a conveniently, there's a dashed line down the middle of this road. Launches his sprint <laughs> and starts sprinting, and he's sprinting in a straight line. He, he starts sprinting in a straight line to the left of this dashed line. Then looks beneath the legs, probably sees, oh, it's a bit far from the finish. And Govacar's already started moving up on his right-hand side. Groenewegen's then overlapped on Govacar's right side. And then we got the barrier. And then Bennett just does this huge swing. Not just a little, not just like the, you know, make you go the longer way round one. It's a huge swing all the way to the barrier. Completely closes those two guys off. Groenewegen then 
you know, I feel for him a little bit, but the reality is he then has to jump back left out of yep. Bennett's wheel. He has to stop his momentum, jump back left, but Govacar's already in front of him. And it's the same move, I think, worse than the Dainese move on Cavendish that got relegated in the Giro because Cavendish had actually yielded the space initially. Govacar was yep. in that space, sprinting straight. Groenewegen just, bang, comes across. Govacar nearly crashes, uh, nearly gets chopped fully out of this sprint. So I know Groenewegen got fucked over by Bennett, but still that doesn't mean his move was was safe. Yeah. Obviously, he's not the, it's not as bad as Bennett's. And Christophe Laporte, who was sitting behind all three of those guys, just sprints in a straight line up the dashed line with all this chaos to his right and gets a bit of draft and wins the sprint ahead of Bennett. So <laughs> it was kind of like Alaphilippe's in Liège, but yeah, this was, um, I mean, good win for, ben, uh, for Laporte. He wasn't the favorite for this stage. Uh, he did win the sort of hardest first stage and he was too hard for him yesterday, but he wins the pure sprint today. Is he a better bunch sprinter than Wout van Aert? Debate down below, embrace debate. Um, I mean, he's pretty fucking good. I mean, he... Laporte could win the green jersey on Jumbo Visma or another team. Yeah. If a team based their whole Tour de France around him winning green, he could do it. Um, yep. Anyway, Laporte wins. That's fantastic. This Bennett move, Benji, is really quite bad because it goes all the way to the barrier. And I, I know motivation doesn't matter, but he looks beneath his legs. It's pretty obvious what he's doing. This is the one of the worst I've seen this year. We haven't seen if he's been relegated yet. But if he doesn't get relegated for this, then, I mean, I've got my relegation police hat on briefly but that's kind of why i half retired because if he doesn't get relegated for this why even have the rule i think the the only reasoning that could be used to say from them that it won't be a relegation which i don't agree with by the way but the expected reasoning would probably be that the speed at which bennett moved across wasn't that significant so the others could have seen it coming once they were moving behind his wheel which I find that not a good reason because he's still obstructing people in that sprint. Is it as dangerous as doing it into a rider? This is the same I... as Groenewegen on Jakobsen. The only difference is Groenewegen braked. And Jakobsen didn't. I agree. He goes but all the way to the I barrier. Think I think that's going to be the explanation. I don't think he's going to be relegation. You don't think you'll get relegated for this? I don't think this he'll get relegated. This is the dirtiest move this year. I disagree with it, but I don't think he'll get relegated. Imagine Groenewegen gets relegated and Bennett doesn't. Because Groenewegen... No crash? Because Govacar had to take evasive yeah. action. He nearly chopped himself yeah. on Laporte's back wheel. There's no crash, and there's no difference when it comes to the winner of the race, so La Laporte won't be complaining. Groenewegen, yeah. if he complains, he might get relegated himself. Govacar is the only one that might complain, but I'm not sure they will heed his demands. I mean, I, we talk about rider safety. I don't want to, this is why like Adam Hansen and rider safety and all this in the Giro about doing, okay, the stage is a little bit too long. It's like guys are still out here closing people to the barriers at 80 kph, 70 kph, whatever. Two years, three years after Twitter Polonia, like it never happened. Now I'm getting a bit fired up because, yeah, it's only been 20 minutes. So the jury might be, you know, but no, usually the relegation, the Dainese one came through a little bit quicker. So it's. Yeah. If this isn't a relegation, then then it's a free-for-all. And, you know, and maybe you're right. Maybe if Bennett had won, then they relegate him. But like, oh, I came second, whatever. But, I mean, I'll do the top 10, and then we'll debate some sprinting. So Laporte wins ahead of Bennett provisionally, then Groenewegen, uh, Trentin, Menton, Hofstede, Govacar seventh, but he would have finished better than that. 
by eighth, Zangler ninth, Mickles tenth. Bennett Onbora though, Benji, we had some uh Ewan Speckenbrink, is that how you say the DSM general manager yeah. today talking about sprinters. Let's talk sprinters carousel, because this wasn't a great stage. Um Oh, and I guess, yeah, like congrats to Laporte. Um extend his lead on GC and could win the TT tomorrow, I guess. But DSM sorry, you gone. I think it's valuable to note that I think a lot of people, mainstream cycling fans and even cycling fans that are a bit more hardcore, might not even know who Govacar is yet, right? Because I swear we oh, haven't yeah. spoken about him too much either, eh? So could you give a bit of a, an explanation of who this man is? Because I swear we spoke about him once last year or something? He, Slovenian, uh, 23-year-old, he was a trainee on Bahrain, well, it was the first six months of his uh, two-and-a-half-year Neopro deal for Bahrain Victorious, obviously their management has uh, Slovenians and Croatians in it, and he won uh, a stage of the... He won the prologue Burgos? of the Istrian Spring Trophy before he got his contract. Um, yeah. That's a U23 sort of race and some decent results, but then he won a Burgos stage from the break as a against uh, Valentin Retailleau, who is, was also on his like first six months of his trainee deal. They beat Seri and Goldstein in sort of an uphill finish, and Govacar won that pretty handily. And we haven't really seen him too much this year. He came, the, the UAE Tour sprints were a bit too hard for him. And then he, DNA, then he did all the World Tour Classics, which is just, that's just too hard. And then Hungary, I dare say he was leading out Bauhaus. That's correct. He was leading out Bauhaus. And so this is the first time he's had his chance. And it's still a race kind of a, a, above a Neopro's level. And and he was going to compete for the podium today in this sprint. Um, so really impressive. Maybe the technical. I wouldn't have thought this would have suited him honestly because it was an easy stage with some big burners there. But maybe he's good in all the chaos. Yep, I agree. I look forward to seeing what he will do. I feel like when he comes to Bahrain, they've got these second degree sprinters. Like Bahas is not a top tier sprinter. He's a second degree tier sprinter. They've got first of all Govacar here as well. And they've got, uh, what's the other dude's name? The Hurricane. Ryovic. The, the Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he turns around in the peloton like a hurricane every now and then. And you know Ryovic was going to do the Giro instead of Milan. Really now? That's batshit crazy. <laughs> anyway, that yeah. aside, we were, speaking, we were speaking about the SM, about the infamous Willis article about Spakenbring talking about the uh, sprinters at the SM, you let it in, so I'll, I'll have you continue. Yeah, so there's the sprinters carousel at the moment. I'll say the GC transfer market's a little bit dull. Like, a lot of the young guys are already spoken for with strong rumours. Yeah. Gagenhart was another piece to fall, and Trek is rumoured in the press, uh, or it's Ineos. But the sprinters carousel is really interesting to me because we've got some German-slash-Dutch teams involved and some Dutch riders on the market, like Koi, like... Uh, Dainese at DSM and Wellsford are out of contract. We've got Jakobsen, who's a Tour de France stage winner, out of contract and, you know, has to leave Quickstep because they saw him earlier and they got Remco. We've got <laughs> Bennett at Bora, presumably on a pretty decent pay packet after winning the green jersey at Quickstep. But he, frankly, hasn't, he hasn't performed to that, to the, to that level at Bora Hansgrohe, despite getting that, that lead out from Van Poppel and Mullen all the time. So... There's this sprinter's carousel of who will go where. And yeah, Spekenbrink, Spekenbrink, he released an article or interviewed at the Telegraph and then Wheel of His reported on it saying, we need a top sprinter. We got a good train, but we don't have that top fast finisher. And I want Jakobsen or Coy or uh, 
either of the two. And if I was saying well, so you're reading that, you know, the 50 cent clip, it's like, what are you so fuck me for? Maybe Wellsford, if you're reading into that, it's June now. Maybe Wellsford's already spoken for at another team. And yep. so DSM is saying, yeah, we need another burner because Dainese's not that guy. I agree with that assessment. Wellsford's gone. So yeah, we need, um, we need someone else. And so it's like, I think Bennett will leave Bora and then do Bora get Jakobsen? And if Bora get Jakobsen, then DSM can't get Jakobsen. Do Yumbo extend Koi? Like, there's all the who gets Wellsford. Is Wellsford going to Bora would make a lot of sense to me, actually. If I was Bora Hansgrove, that's who I would be signing. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting, mm-hmm. Benji. Um, do you agree that... Because I think Bora have extended Van Poppel. Do you think they know and they will replace Bennett? They're looking to replace him with Wellsford or Jakobsen or Koi. Well, if Bennett is confirmed leaving and they extend for Poppel, then they need to replace Bennett he's with someone. He's not confirmed leaving. I'm just assuming that. If if he's confirmed, when okay. he's confirmed leaving, then they need to find someone else because Jordi Meus is not that guy for me. No. So I don't see him replacing Bennett in the wheel of Van Poppel necessarily. So they would need a different sprinter. There's so many in the market. And when it comes to DSM, I agree with you. I feel like Wellsford is on the brink of making clear once he gets the opportunity against World Tour sprinters in a Grand Tour that at that point he will prove that he might be on that top sprinter level because we've seen him do majestic sprints this year so far. He just hasn't been able to prove it on the top step yet because he hasn't really gotten those opportunities. And I see that he's riding the ZLM Tour now, which I'm kind of like, interesting. He's going to be sprinting against against who the fuck? Olaf Koy? And that's yeah. kind of it. So Olaf Koy versus Cavendish apparently as well. Oh, really? Uh, so there's something there to see what those three will be able to offer in that race. But I want to see him at the Tour de France because I'm like, Bardet probably doesn't deserve an entire team at DSM for the Tour no. de France. Yes, it's a good tour for Bardet when it comes to leadership for ch- trying to chase a top five position or something like that. But in reality, just put Wellsford in there. Like even the, even the other dude on DSM, Tobias Lund Andresen, that dude is, is so good. He's yeah, been he's getting good. so close everywhere. Second in Brussels Cycling Classic, strong in the Sprints Tour of Norway. And I feel like that's also right. I think he's like 20 or something. So these 22. two sprinters have the capacity of becoming a top sprinter in the span of the next year to two years. Sam Wellsford is much closer already than Tobias, but Tobias Milan. can do it in two, three years. Like yeah, that. But the thing with Milan as well is I still need to see it in a Tour de France sprint before I know he can do it there because positioning is an issue at the moment. But same with Wellsford, I guess. Like, he's yeah. not proven it in a World Tour race either yet. Agreed. Um, UAE was close. But I think, and I said it on Twitter, but my broader point is there's a lot of riders who could win a Grand Tour stage in a sprint. I think the list, the, as we saw in the Giro, there were seven different guys. Laporte can win a, a Tour de France sprint at him. Laporte, wow, Groenewegen, Jakobsen, Merlier, Philipson, um, all these riders, Ewan even on his day, Wellsford, Koi, Koi won Paranese stage. There's a lot of sprinters on a very similar level that on their day can win. You know what's in short yeah. supply right now? Lead out. Top, top class lead out. I say, okay, Laporte, but Laporte spends 90% of his season not being a lead out. Van Poppel's the only one that I can really point to because Merku's dropped off, in my opinion. 
Not like he's like yeah, 40 years old. Did he and drop Fabio never off? follows him. Or is it the chemistry that makes him look bad? Because at San Juan, there were sprints where I was like... He was good, yeah. True. Mirko was good, but Jakobsen didn't follow him. So I'm like, I think Mirko is still close. And I think he's probably still the closer one to Van Poppel compared to other people. I probably st still think that there's other leadouts out there that could do what they are doing, but might not necessarily have won the experience. And as a consequence, don't get the opportunities to do so for a top sprinter. Like, we spoke about McLeod a while back as a rider that would be able to do this. But you mentioned when it comes to Laporte. Laporte is probably close as well. I'd put Laporte close to Van Poppel, by the way. Yeah, I think but they're very close. You mentioned during the, the stage that Laporte is a very efficient rider when it comes to his positioning. Would that be an underrated quality for any lead out? Because I would expect Van Poppel to be similar. Yeah, and, and single them. Like all these Unrachese, like these guys who make the best leadouts and Renshaw, they weren't really guys when it really came to winning themselves and hitting the wind themselves. Like look at Van Poppel yep. in the Vuelta when he got his own chance. The, the sprint field wasn't that good. But when it came to actually winning the race, they don't, act, they don't often have the real quality. Laporte is a little bit different uh, as he showed today. Yeah. But yeah, but they, they can get into good position in the wheels. Everyone's still in the wheels. No one's actually launched a sprint yet. And then they launch early and that's why they're good. But, for, and this is why it's really difficult to find a good lead out man. Cause you basically need a sprinter who was a, a mid sprinter. Who's really good at positioning. Who's ready to accept that role before they're completely washed up. And yep. Merku did that when Christoph called him from Tinkoff because I think Merku was literally like a medium mountain domestique that Tinkoff yeah. were trying to make him into that. Uh, Van Poppel did that. I presume he got paid okay to do so at 27 years old by Bora Hansgrohe because he was winning or he racked up hundreds of UCI points on his own account at the small Belgian races. And it's why someone like, you know, Jonathan Milan, he would be the best lead out man in the world. He, would, he has the capacity, the potential to be the best lead out man in the world like Pataki or someone, but he's 22. He just won the Chiclamino and a stage. No team is going to sign him to do that. And if they did, they'd have to over... He's already getting probably overpaid wherever he goes next. So it, it's really tough to find. And maybe you've got to find a track guy with some nous for it. And that's what they were hoping with Pedersen at, at Quickstep. Um, but yeah, or you have Laporte who's kind of... will do it occasionally or I don't know. Maybe Van Aert will do it for Laporte one day. Um, I think Groenewegen's missing that guy. I think their yep. train broadly is okay, but the he's missing, like, Mezgetz is not that guy. I feel like Mezgetz is the pilot that can get Groenewegen into the position to... He's Mullen. ...try and sprint. Is he Mullen or is he... Yeah, you're a more of a pilot. can I compare him to? No, he did a good job the other day in Hungary for him as a pilot. Okay. Is, yeah, but is there anyone else that... Because that's what... We've basically done a long sprint to lead out discussion. But yeah, to me, the market but is interesting because Fabio Jakobsen is going to get paid a bomb. And to me, the scarce resource is a class lead out. Yeah. That's why a while ago, I proposed that we should pay lead outs more than sprinters at this point. Because the sprinters can make the top 20 sprint... The lead outs can make the top 20 sprinters win. Like, Van Poppel yeah. can make the top 20 sprinters win in the Tour de France. But that regardless, that aside... Do we? I think Affini is a comparison with Mezgetz and Kirsch, maybe. Kirsch, yeah, Kirsch, Affini, exactly. They're pilots 
can they really in a Tour de France stage jump at 450 to go and take you to 200? Uh, I don't I don't think so. Now, maybe Edward Turns, he seems to have fallen out with Trek Segafredo, but Turns and Kirsch seems to be a ready-made yeah. lead-out combination for somebody. But it'll be interesting. Uh, let us know what you think about the lead-outs and sprinters market, where they'll where they'll go. Um, because, yeah, Jonas Rickart would have been on that list, but he's had some health issues recently. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think it's really interesting. And maybe Bora Hansgrohe, we'll see. Maybe they go for quote-unquote, a cheaper sprinter, like Wellsford will be cheaper than Jakobsen, but it'll be very interesting if they go with Wellsford instead of Jakobsen because they, they think you're pretty much the same guy and we can pay 800k less and put you behind Van Poppel and you'll probably still win a Tour de France stage. Uh, but yeah, we uh, should preview tomorrow's stage, Benji. Um, it's the Oh, no news? Just a reminder, a reminder that Bennett still hasn't been relegated yet. So, so it's not happening. I, th- I think it's not happening. And That's it should a have be happening. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. Dude, I can't even Brian this. Smith. No, I like Brian. He's, I like sometimes a bit of a dry sense of humor. Him and Kirby's a bit dry. Sometimes I actually like it. Usually he. No, no, but usually, usually Smith on is. Usually he's like, let the boys race. Like someone yeah. nearly kills someone and he'll be like, no harm, no foul. Even he today. Was exactly. Like, that was, and when he, when he, then I was like, if he thinks that, then the commissaire, because usually he's a little bit less strict than, than maybe we are. Um, but yeah, I'm very surprised. I think he'll be surprised, and a lot of people will be surprised if, if that doesn't happen. But anyway, tomorrow's stage, big GC gaps expected tomorrow. 31 kilometer hilly ITT from Cour to Belmont de la Loire. It is a, it begins with, uh, you like that French, Benji? I've been working on it. Uh, two and a half Ks, oh. 5% opening climb. And then a descent, pretty shallow one though, to the first intermediate time check where there's another pickup, another 6% punch, not that long though. Then a rolling valley and then an uphill finish, all false flat. So if you can climb at 40 kph in the uh, aero extensions, in the skis comfortably and put power out, then you have a big advantage. This is a very interesting TT, I'd expect, before he crashed twice today, Jorgensen and the Movistar boys do well on these TTs with Velasco helping um, and Mars maybe to do an okay result. But I can't really go past Fingergaard winning this TT, Benji. He would have won the TT that was very similar at the end of the tour last year and yeah. he looks in crazy shape. It's very likely that the stage will end up with Vingegaard as the GC leader afterwards. Winner, very likely. Cavania can compete if he finds his old form when it comes to time trials, but that has been a bit disappearing. Gerholtz is actually pretty close on GC, four seconds in front of Vingegaard, but I don't believe he can keep that, even though he's got that time trial capability. Mm-hmm. Has Intermarché gotten their new Cube TT bike yet, or is that not done I'm yet? not sure. If so, I still don't believe he could win. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> But um, outside of Actually that... a pretty good TT bike fan. <laughs> I like Rune, but Jesus. <laughs> hey, Rune Gerholtz, come on. Give him, yeah, give him yeah. some credit. No, outside of that, uh, my start list isn't loading, so I'm going fully off the top of my head. And I have absolutely no clue who else can compete for this time trial except for those people, because is there anyone that lost time today? Like, Craddock and Durbridge hit the floor, so I don't yeah. expect them to necessarily compete Vingegaard should be able to clean this up I think Vingegaard wins the TT but doesn't take enough time on Laporte to take yellow off him unless he does a special really, really crazy performance 
Laporte's a good Get time trial. Here. Oh, because yeah, it's longer. This is... It's a it's a thirty five thirty seven minute TT. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it ain't a pro. It ain't a wet prologue in Denmark. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Vingegaard. I mean, you really should be cleaning this up. It's actually more difficult and longer than the Tour de France time trial. Maybe uh, less hilly, but anyway, other riders to really, I want to see Bernal's level. I'm really excited for this time trial because we get to see the time trial level and the general shape of a lot of riders. So O'Connor, have they made inroads at AG2R? Adam Yates, I think, will do a very good TT. Simon Yates is, is he, is he here? Oh, alert, 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 alert. We've got Daniel Freebo on Twitter that says, Grunewig and Bennett both relegated from Dauphiné Sprint for deviating from their line. Dude, the comment says in the live chat. Comment says in the live <laughs> chat of the YouTube live stream. They must, so I did, you're saying I did all that ranting for nothing or do you reckon we actually forced the issue? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm saying you probably did it for nothing, but I'll gladly take the credit. <laughs> yeah. They heard, they heard, <laughs> heard I was going off. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, maybe they just saw our tweets. Um, <laughs> seriously, no. If you look in the truck, they have yeah. Twitter, they have tweets. It's not even a joke, um, but I'm probably blocked. Simon Yates isn't here. I thought he was. I presume he's doing Tour de Suisse. Adam Yates, I like for the TT, but yeah, not beating Groenewegen. But it's interesting to see, yeah, Jorgensen and Mars, because they didn't drop anyone back for Jorgensen. Mars is the chosen son. Max Poole, look out for him for a top, I think, mm -hmm. five result. Max Poole should do a good TT. And Marco Brenner, yeah. too. Marco Brenner should do a good TT. He he's came. Good. Yeah, he's, but he. he he looks good until the really hard mountain stages. Um, but he will do. He should do a good TT tomorrow, Marco Brenner. Um, He's going to top the NGC. How much time is your boy Tobias' um, former enemy losing? Tobias' former enemy is losing like minute four and minutes half? and thirty six seconds. Four minutes. Come on, Fortunato do boy, style. Do your boy dirty like that? He's, He's a really do a bad Fortunato. time rider. Okay. Uh, Rodriguez, there's a lot of just, it's very interesting to me seeing a lot of Wait. like Martinez. Well, let's do it differently. Who's yeah. going to lose more time? Okay, head to heads. Former enemy Johannesson or yep. Guillaume Martin? Oh. <laughs> Johannesson. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. That's tough. They're both shit. <laughs> TT. <laughs> But I'm just thinking who will try more, like, because Martin's really going for GC, you know? I don't know. You want to I think. I don't know. I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really put too much thought into it. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the podcast. I've gone, we've both gone for Vingegaard. should be winning this stage tomorrow. Adam Yates, top three. Yeah, Adam Yates should do a good TT. I really think he will. He's in good shape, too. Um, but hope you enjoyed yep. it. Let us know down below, and Deviation Police are back from their sabbatical. Until tomorrow's recap, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 